Baldur Baldur no Ok Så Ja Baldur is our dog uh, Hello hello He's taking care of uh, We are taking care of him But uh, you That is listening To the bipolar circle And the birthday show Please go to bipolarcircle.podbean.com bipolarcircle.podbean.com where you can find our small collection accounts the co-found and the Patreon website where you as a listener can uh, help us as your little obedient dogs to continue to entertain you uh, online with the Bipolar Circle and the birthday show. We are dying here. We're trying to... You have to keep us creative, no, Leona? Yes, and if you go to this website, bipolarcircle.podbean.com, you will find also the bio about the different people that we have been interviewing here in our cyber studio. Yes, that's true. You can find a lot more information about the people, some photos of uh, the people and the project they are representing on bipolarcircle.podbean.com. So if you want more information and please, please, if you're a listener and you like what we're doing and you want us to develop, we need some inspiration from you. Give us a small amount uh, for be able to continue to do Bipolar Circle and to continue to keep it uh, commercial free. You also, by supporting Bipolar Circle, also somehow support the work of fuckforforest.org uh, because we need the uh, foundings uh, to be able to to eat, to be able to fuck for forest, basically. But also, if you are not so interested in uh, podcasting and more interested in people putting their genitals inside other genitals for the reason of uh, saving nature and planting trees, then go to fuckforforest.org and become a support member of our project. It w- would inspire us a lot to continue uh, this uh, weird uh, travel now on the end of our times or become a sexy ecological activist and donate your own homemade erotic photos and videos yeah that will give you a free access to fuckforforest.org when you support on fuckforforest.org that's money we will use on ecological projects right now we work with Manzana Podrida ecological educational center in the mountains of Mexico if you do support uh, fuckforforest.org you will support the development of this ecological project reforestation and also other projects worldwide. Well, that's not right. What do you mean? Uh, Fuck for Forest in this moment are not supporting La Manzana Partida. It's uh, this year um, the activist that is donating photos to Fuck for Forest can pick a project. Yes, but... uh a little bit of the fundament for the reforestation work and stuff still is Manzana Podrida is a protected pro- project. It's a protected area. Everything is already uh, a protected place. So we just need like small things for like uh, administration of the place. But yeah, you can uh, support fuckforforest.org or if you want to support me and Leona a little bit more uh, personally, go to bipolarcircle.podbin.com and give us a little... Uh, yeah, we're begging now. We're begging you, please. Like, we're starving we to death. We desperately desperate. need... Yeah, we're kind of desperate. We kind of need... Okay, it's like the world is ending and stuff. You're sitting there home, like, locked inside isolation. What do you use money on anyway? You listen to us or not? You listen to... We're sitting here talking, trying to get our fucked up voice out there. And we need food to be able to do that. So, please, don't let us starve to death in the mountains of Mexico. 
No, it's the tragic fact that we are kind of broke at the moment. Yeah, so uh, if you want uh, Bipolar Circle and the birthday show to continue, uh, please help us also spread the word, uh, spread the show on your social media and help us get more uh, more people that want to listen. You will inspire us so much by just giving a small amount uh, for uh, keeping us alive and inspired in this uh, Difficult, difficult times. We know you people out there have it difficult. It's not just us, but it's our work to try to entertain you. We are kind of erotic, ecological clown entertainers that now do Bipolar Circle and the birthday show. And today, because we are forest, uh, so interested in having sex in the forest to save the planet, we found other people that actually shares our idea about that. Yeah, because for forest is not only mainly having sex in the forest, but we do love having sex in the forest. We love having sex in the forest. And wh- what is that is about having sex in the forest? It seems like some people feel afraid of the forest. It's dirty. It has animals like insects. But we, we found a beautiful person from Poland. His name is... Please, he will say his name himself, uh, I think. It's a Polish name. He's, uh, he's an ethnobotanist and uh, ecologist from Poland that has written a book about uh, sex having... Sex in nature. Sex in nature. It's called that, no? Sex in nature, forest and meadows, I think. Yes, how to have sex, nice sex in forest and meadows. Uh, he got a lot of uh, attention for this in Poland. That uh, became a bestseller, I think. He got a bestseller. Like people really needed to know about how to make love in the free to feel more connected to nature. So now we will talk to another forest fucker that is uh, not really fucking for forest, but. F- having, uh, making love or uh, fucking to, or having sex to reconnect to to nature, reconnect to your inner nature and the nature around you. So without, uh, yeah, fucking up our own... Mm, Intro? Yeah. <laughs> Have a great birthday. Uh, no, it's a great birthday for all. I will say all you people that love to have sex in nature go out don't let uh, the rules of society trick you nature is the sacred temple where we are supposed to have great orgies to generate unlimited amount of uh, of magical powers that we can use to like manipulate and control all like weak people around us so go out there and find that source and and have sex in the forest in the wild naked be wild Happy birthday! It's your birthday Happy birthday It's your birthday Happy birthday It's a great day That's what we say Happy birthday What a technological wonder that we managed to actually hear each other over so... Where are you? We are in Mexico, Oaxaca. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, my God. And where are you? I've been there. Yeah, I've been there. Um, I'm in Poland. You're really in Poland? Yes. Whoa. Because you're Polish, right? 
Yes, I'm Polish, yeah. Okay, how do you pronounce your name? Łukasz Wuchai. Łukasz Wuchai. That's going to mm -hmm. be complicated. That, that's a complicated no. name. Well, for me to say that. Are we online now? Yeah, we're kind of online already. Okay, okay. So, hi and welcome to our podcast, the birthday show. Happy birthday! Today is your birthday. No. No, well, it is in our world. So, could you present yourself for our listeners? Um, hi, I'm uh, Łukasz Wuchaj. I'm a botanist, um, loving nature and exploring various sides of nature and relationship between people and nature. And how long have you been doing this? Well, I'm, I'm um, over 20 years. So I, I do a bit of edible plants and foraging and, and restoring natural meadows. Um, but also talking about us being not scared of nature and enjoying it. That's why the book Sex in Nature. Yeah, because we have a kind of interest in that since we've been doing Fuck for Forest for 15 years. That was not really about... Uh, well, we did prefer to have sex in nature, but it was more about sex for nature. Sometimes in Europe, like yeah. you know, uh, being in Poland, it's not all the time possible to have sex in nature because it's too cold. You will freeze to death or you have to have yeah. very fast sex. I, me and Leona actually did make sex in nature one time in wintertime with a art group from, you remember England or something? I don't remember. Yeah, but they had the heaters and stuff on us. So we were got cheating, you know, but it's possible to have sex in nature. If you're really horny, you warm up inside and then you run outside when it's snow. But yeah, it's, it's yeah, extreme it, sport. It really depends on the on the dynamics between the people doing it, yeah. you know, how quickly you get excited, etc. But, um, and also if there is wind or not, wind can be very unpleasant. Okay, okay, I know what you think. Okay, okay, I know what you think about me. Okay, okay, I know what you think. Okay, okay, spread your legs for me.
but uh, my idea is that also having sex in nature helps you to respect nature. And um, maybe you haven't noticed, but I write a lot about having sex on fallen trees. And when when you um, when you start having more sex in forests in Europe, you realize there's a big difference between uh, plantations and natural forests. Because pl- if if you go to a plantation, it's like going to um, uh, to some kind of hall for playing sports, like empty space. Whereas if you go to a natural forest, it's full of fallen trees. So it's like going into some kind of junk room where you can hide, you can you can lie on top of a fallen tree, you can you can uh, sit by a tree, you know, you can scratch your back, and I don't know, it's just the the level of complication is so much higher. So actually, you can experience the difference. So so uh, tell us a little bit about your book. This is what you write about in the book uh, about what this is uh, the, the title of your book. Uh, the tax the title of my uh, my book is Sex in Nature. I don't remember the subtitle. I have to check. Okay. Um, a guide, it's not online, isn't? Yeah. A guide to making love in forests and meadows. Yes, Sex in Nature, a guide for uh, to making love in forests and meadows. And this guide is mainly for old growth uh, untouched forest or do you have a chapter mm. for making love also in a in a like a monoculture uh, fake forest? It's um, it, I, I, it's a guide for making love everywhere. Everywhere everywhere natural. Um so I, I basically explore all possible habitats in Poland and Europe. So I write about having having sex in like conifer forests, like in Norway, you know, spruce forests, how pleasant they are if it's not too wet and cold, and uh, deciduous forests and the difference between, you know, lying on a beech tree and lying on an oak tree, and uh, also about uh, Mediterranean vegetation and about the seashore and about the rocks and about meadows, different kinds of meadows. I even write how the frequency of cutting influences your sensations on the back, you know? Fuck you, lumberjack, in my backyard. You pollute my sensitive environment. When I play to my joy, you unpack your bit fat toy and you saw when you change till you turn all red in the face fuck you lumber jack in my backyard how I wish I could pack you in a big fat sack a year say at Christmas then I could unwrap you you could work it till you roll down a very steep hill a very steep hill hey ho a lumberjack would you give me a fucking break to spare my To spare my ears, give me a break. 
But you get a better orgasm in a, in an old growth forest than you do in a in a cutted, uh, reforested with uh, just one species type of monoculture you know, forest. Or orgasm is not everything, and orgasm is very personal. So if you have good orgasms, you could, you will have these good orgasms, uh, you know, everywhere. But you say that orgasm is not everything. But uh, yeah, I, I will th- say that is uh, a lot for guys. Because for women that don't get an orgasm, that have problem getting an orgasm, it seems to be like a, it's a problem for women. While many times guys are get kind of addicted to their orgasm, like like a kind of drug or something that make their focus take their focus away from the act of sexuality. Actually, so the tantric way for a man would be to hold your orgasm and not focus on the orgasm as something important in the sexual act. I think it took me many many years to understand it. Once you get older, I think. It's also easier, you know, to control your sexuality, and then you can really kind of hold it. You know, I think it's a big problem for young men. Yeah, that's maybe why some women yeah. prefer older yeah. men when yeah. it comes to yeah. the safety. So again, you are traveling around in different forests around Europe, and you have a sex partner with you, and you are testing out different. No, it's just. Uh, It wasn't a project like this, you know, it wasn't with one partner. It was about my whole life, you know, it's uh, and I would say, nine, you know, maybe 90 percent of the book is autobiographic. And there are also bits I heard from friends or, you know, and interviewing people. So but if you're not uh, with a partner, like masturbating in nature can be the no, same. No, no. Uh, I mean, like it's a it's a story of different partners throughout my life, not like traveling with one partner, you know, I was married and then, you know, with this person and with this person. So it's like, a, it's a bit like a diary of my life, but, you know, without disclosing who this person was. Um, masturbation is interesting because it really comes up a lot when you talk to people. Yeah. It's incredible. Uh, I did, I went to some sexual forums asking about having sex in nature and people say I mainly masturbate in the forest. Wow. This is incredible. The, I would say 90% of answers. It's um, sometimes because people are so overpowered by beauty of nature that they just, they are excited that you don't know why they are excited. They they don't know. They are kind of just generally kind of filled with this sense of life, you know, and they don't know what to do with themselves. They start masturbating, go to some beautiful spot like watching a sunset on a hill or something you know both sexes so it's um filthy fussy funeral fuck fuck for forest 
Fuck for fantasy, fuck for finance, fuck for freedom, fuck for fuck's sake, or for no sake. Freedom is just another word that makes you fucked. Fuck it all, fuck the nothingness, fuck the universe, fuck existence, fuck nature, fuck the unnatural, fuck the system, fuck the government, fuck war, fuck peace, fuck kindness. Fuck empathy, love, desire, pain and pleasure, night and day, man and woman. Fuck together, love together, love to fuck, love to love, fuck to fuck. Um, yeah, I even write about plants for masturbation, like uh, some kind of mushrooms, which are, which are you know, slippery. <laughs> and uh, my friend even started a group on Facebook, uh, which was called uh, Microsexuals. But I think it was, it was taken down this group. But it had a few thousand followers. Yeah, that's a problem with uh, social media. We can't uh, inform yeah. people about yeah. real uh, education, actually, without being taken down as perverts. Yeah. And that's pretty perverted society we live in. So, like, yeah, that's why why sexy nature so important for you. Um. It's important, but it's not. I'm not obsessed by it, so I don't mind having normal sex. But um, normal sex? You don't have normal sex normal, in nature. Normal, like in indoors. Okay, yeah, indoor in, sex. Indoors, yeah. Civilized sex. You know, it's like um, it's important to be able to do it. You know, it's not exclusive, uh, but um, it's a bit like with nudity. If you, if it's so restricted, you know, and if. Um, is not allowed in many places, in many situations, then, you know, you may be enjoyed more when you, you are allowed, where you can do it. So the same way that, you know, you also realize that people don't do it so much. So it's, it's kind of so extraordinary for some people. I also feel like when I have sex in nature or if I'm naked in nature, I feel so much more free. I like this feeling of freedom. You know, I also write about the Eden because it's like we are getting closer to the... Um, I think to the feeling that we are in, in like in heaven, in this garden, you know, so it makes sense to to experience this. And I'm saying sociologically, the level of um, uh, inhibition is incredible. I know people who are even quite sexually active, who, who never walked barefoot in the forest, you know, once I took a girl um on a date and i said maybe let's go to the forest and i said yes yeah. she went to the forest and um she took her shoes off and she started walking in the forest and started crying and she was just sobbing and she was saying oh my god i lived 26 years and never walked barefoot in the forest wow. thank you yeah, yeah so I it was <laughs> I also experienced that I got shocked by people actually and that's an even stronger story because I've been shocked many times by people being 30, 35 and never had sex in nature ever in their life and seeing it kind of like weird. It's like, oh, you're weirdo since you have sex in nature so much and actually feeling that, that they feel that shame that they never felt so free that they could actually just feel free in nature to make love. And that's sad, no? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's the problem. Like you're having sex in nature. You're having like this great love uh, session there up against the tree. But what if people are coming? Um, what uh, what if people are coming? Um, 
there's also another interesting issue like why people have sex in nature some people enjoy it really much because they are inside very um uh, exhibitionist and some people go to the forest because they can hide like in many third world countries where people live crammed in many people in one room that's the way to have to find some intimacy. There was the same in Europe, like uh, 200 years ago, a young girl would go with a young boy for a date to the forest because that was the only place that other people wouldn't control you. So the forest and the wilderness can be in one way a place where someone can find you and you don't feel secure, but actually in a way it's a secure place. But of course, um, yeah, if someone finds you, it de depends on the country, but... Um, in most European countries, probably you would face some kind of fine. And in Poland, we have a few instances of people uh, usually recorded on some kind of hidden cameras because of various reasons in the forest and having to pay fines about, I don't know, three, four hundred, four hundred euros. And what is interesting, the most famous case, there was a couple going to the forest to have sex and they were leaving condoms in the forest. And the owner of the forest said, I, I went to police not because they had sex in my forest, but, but because they were leaving these bloody condoms everywhere. Well, yeah, that I understand. The plastic in the forest is a different subject than making love in the forest. And you can, you can find traces everywhere. You know, Angkor Wat in Cambodia. I was, um, this, have, have you heard about it? It's a beautiful um, complex of temples, you know, ancient temples in the forest. And it was just uh, just so so sexy in this place, you know. It was it was just a mysterious place, and I was thinking, oh my god, if I would if I could just have sex here, in this place. And I walked away. I mean, I I didn't have a person willing to do it there, but I just went imagining it, and I found lots of condoms, you know, in there. The place that I imagined would be good for sex. So so people probably had the same. Um, the same feeling like me. Another question about having sex in nature. You must sometimes have experience getting bitten by ants or spiders crawling all over you or... Many experiences and sadly this is the first thing people mention. Uh, you know, I say, oh, sex and there's no mosquitoes, no ticks. There's this obsession about about having ticks, you know. My record is to, is having 30 ticks on on the penis on one day. Really? You know? On the yeah. penis? What, do yes, you put your I dick was, inside on a I wasn't, tick nest? I wasn't or? really having sex in the forest, but I was doing research for my PhD for plant ecology, and uh, I was crawling on the forest edge, you know, on all fours, and... Every evening I would inspect myself because um, that was just a terrible infestation. There was a, a week that there were a lot of a, a lot of a lot of insects and um, a lot of ticks. Actually, they're not insects. Uh, yes, people are disturbed by them. You can find it, it can be meditative. I can tolerate maybe up to 30 bites, mosquito bites, and after 30 bites, I'm I'm a bit disturbed. A little bit like a SM game with Mother Nature. Kind of, yeah, it's, a, it's a, this kind of thing. Not talking about nettles and brambles and, and you know. Yeah, you did, did spanking with nettles, I remember, Leona. Yeah, we tried that. We had this nature is a, is a SM Games with Nature kind of series on Buck for Forest. So Leona tried some stuff. Uh, so, yeah, the nat nature, in, you know, gives us many opportunities. And you don't have to have actually plants because you can have sand, you can be on the beach. But what is really interesting, you can be in the mud, you know, falling like in a in a puddle, you know, 
one of the most enjoyable uh, most enjoyable places I had sex in was a is, it was a muddy puddle on a path, you know. <laughs> wow, sounds sounds sexy. You can succumb. Yeah, you can know it, but you can succumb to this feeling of pleasure suddenly. You just you don't wait, you don't go on the side, you just do it on the path. You know? I have had sex in public beaches. I have had sex in the forest. I have had sex on a cliff. I have had sex in the trees. I have had sex in the ocean. I have had sex in the garden. I have had sex next to a lake. I have had sex in the snow. I have had sex on the toilet. I have had sex on dirty discotheques or abandoned houses. I have had sex on the kitchen table. I have had sex in the bed. I have had sex in the shower. And in the car, I have had sex on the street. I have had sex in the park. I have had sex in hostel rooms. I have had sex in hamaka. I have had sex in tents. I have had sex on the stairs up to the flat. I have had sex on tree trunks. I have had sex in the sand. I have had sex on big rocks. I have had sex in the autumn leaves. I want to get back a little um, bit to the uh, uh, what we talked about. You talked a little bit about before, and that's like going to the wilderness because I also know like it's a pray place for praying the wilderness for example in the Bible Jesus went to the wilderness when he wanted to get away from people and to pray and for me my sexuality or my relationship to my sexuality has has always been a little bit about it's my way of praying because it's like duality coming together you know the forces of nature becoming one a lot of like existential questions are connected to this subject of sexuality but then i'm like suddenly not allowed if you say that uh, you can get fined like you can get have to pay money if i go to nature and make love and i see that as an act of praying and someone can then say that i do something illegal what can this do to me as a human being as how can i reconnect to nature if i can't go to nature and make love what do you think about this well it's terribly blocking and this this sense of fear you know is difficult for people and um even after uh, my book was also published in polish and um in polish is a bestseller it's it's sold many thousands of copies Uh, since a couple of months ago when it was published. And, uh, well, you know, um, in one of the interviews done by a tele television channel, um, they were worried that having sex in the forest is illegal. And I told them it's, it's legal. It's, it's actually not the problem of, of being in the forest. And they didn't believe me. And they went to police, to the main headquarters, to the, to the main spokesman of Polish police. And they, and they asked him, Um, on TV, is it legal to have sex in forest in Poland? And he said, yes, there is no law saying you cannot do that. It just you, you, the, the law says you cannot um, get caught. You cannot expose other people. <laughs> yeah, just don't get caught. <laughs> yeah, you cannot get caught. But actually, as so I was very reassuring for people, I was quote a guy. I say, you see, even police say it's legal. It's okay, you know. So don't be so scared because people are really say, what happens if someone catches me? I said, what happens? They 
They will have a problem, not you. They should be the abuser, actually. If somebody catches you, they should actually just look away. It's like, why do you look at me Um, having sex in the forest? I'm just here here having sex. Why do you watch me in the first place? Who's the abuser here? So, like, actually, the person that finds you should get the find if they go to the police and be like, it was someone. Okay, sorry, you watched them. Here's 1,000 euros fine for you. Well, watching is uh, not you, a problem. No, so. not for me either. But from the point of view of society, it should be like to make love in the forest should be something repreciated, no? Yeah, it should. Yeah, that I was actually thinking about it. And like, if you can have shit in the forest, you know, it's also a private kind of activity for most people. And, and people would respect it. They would see someone crouching, they would just go away. And uh, the same here. That um, Also, I think of... Uh, in uh, many parts of India, like people would um, quite easily kind of defecate or, uh, you know, um, just uh, quite in a quite a public place, but they would do, and, and if other people would see it, they would try to not look, you know? So yeah. It's the same thing. Okay, it's the same. There's a couple having, making love, let's leave them alone. It's the same yeah. with like if you're eating in the forest, you made a small dinner in the forest, you're sitting there with your loved one eating and it comes some weirdo standing behind a tree looking at you from a distance. It's like, you're the weirdo actually, <laughs> like kind of, just go away. There's some people there eating, you yeah. know, there's some people there making love. Okay, it's not your thing. Just turn your back around and walk away. But it's funny that actually the abuser, the person that is like feeling offended, they can go and complain about it while they should just like fucking sh- shut their eyes closed and, and go and do their thing, you know? So why, why have we got to a point where our sexuality, that is the beginning of life, that is the meaning of, of connection between people many times like why we go to parties why we go to meet each other socially sometimes people actually look for someone to make love to it's like the essence of a lot of social behavior why is this criminalized um another another interesting issue is when you mention about people looking at other people having sex is the whole issue of um of dogging in britain it's the whole complex um a set of situations that people were actually walking dogs and um, watching couples having sex and then maybe joining them. So it's a very complex, the whole complex story. Um, but many times people would use children, for example, they would be like, yeah, but what if children comes uh, to, for example, you have sex in a public space, people will many times use uh, children as a, as a uh, uh, reason for that this should be hidden. Well, I, I don't understand that uh, sexual education or when a child have to see pollution, destruction, cars, and a t- total yeah. violent society, why a child should take damage or watching or seeing someone uh, by coincidence making love. Because then we have already brought children into a society where one of the basic uh, uh, yeah. instincts of us is dangerous to educate to our children. Mm, and I was uh, I was a bit scared how what would be the reaction to my book in Poland because I'm a I'm a known person in Poland, you know, a known ecolo- ecologist, someone who talks about ecology, but from a scientific perspective. So um, I was it was a bit risky for me to to be more open and talk about my own experiences. And actually, the reaction was fabulous. I must say, people are so fascinated by this topic. Couples already like 
taking the book to the forest. I mean, it's, it's a bit scary because people sometimes are so lacking of their own initiative and imagination. I'm worried they're going to take a red pen uh-huh. and just tick off all the possible habits. So, so maybe you get blamed for creating a lot of uh, like exhibitionist behavior in the Polish forest. In the future, you get the finger pointed by the conservatives. Uh, yes, they, they also, the conservatives talks about there was some uh, television program on the, in the right wing the mainstream Polish TV, they were taking piss out of me. But of course, it's just better advertising, you know. Yeah, What's for sure. better for advertising than, you know. Especially when it comes to sex, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So what do you have to recommend to uh, couples that want to have sex in uh, in the forest for a first time? I would recommend to find a place which is peaceful, you know, uh, unless they really want to be, you know, seen by people. But... Um, a place which is like far from roads because always roads and paths attract people and traffic. Once you go off the beaten track, then you are peaceful. Um, another thing is I recommend um, finding a, lo- a fallen log. When you look at um, uh, pornographic films, I think a lot of the scenes of sex in the forest are very detached from the forest. People either just lie on the ground of the forest or prop their back on the tree. But actually there's more possibilities. So I always say play with the tree, find a big fallen tree and maybe lie on the tree or maybe sit by the tree. And then you have an incredibly large amount of positions to explore. And also if you go to the forest in winter or early spring, it's warm. The 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 log the 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 logs actually if you if you talk about Europe or North America you know when we have winter I think these are also amazing days like March April when you have the first sun strong sun and the low sun hits the log makes it warm and the, actually the tree the log the log can be like fifteen twenty twenty five degrees because of the sun and you are warm on it and you don't have to touch the damp ground. So another thing is to find um, a nice uh, space and that just um, uh, just say, okay, maybe this is a nice place and not, not give up. Sometimes what I experience, we choose a nice spot, we lie down and, and we think, oh my God, something wrong with it. We have to move. So that's another beautiful thing about having sex in the forest that the actual sexual act is a walk. It's not like... The fact that you started in the point A doesn't mean that you're gonna have an orgasm in point A. Yeah, you have a lot more room to play with. You might have to travel, you know, because maybe there is an anthill, or maybe there's something wrong, or maybe there's one scratchy plant, and uh, also later, you you know, you eventually find a a nice place. Now, after spending my life looking for these places, I have an instinct, you know. Sometimes I would drive with someone and just suddenly stop the car and say, this is the right place, you know, let's stop here, you know. And I also noticed that many, many people that are grown up in the city have uh, a lot of people that are grown up and only been living in cities has a, a fear of nature from the animals, wild bears, yeah, wolves. What are, what are the dangers of sex in nature? Yeah, Is it dangerous? Uh, no, it's not, not more dangerous than... I don't know, sitting on a side of the street. Um, they are. Actually, this is what, really interesting that um, the, the book has a very good reception among older people. 
even some people in the village read it when I live where I live, and they said, "Oh my God, this is like in my young days," you know. And uh, so older people have more sex in nature. Younger people are more afraid of sex yeah. in nature. Why are we afraid? We're afraid of getting caught, maybe. But that's also. I think it's also. For people that come from the city, they find nature a little bit disgusting because it's weird. They don't know what it is, and there's animals crawling all on them. Or oh, afraid of insects I mean, and stuff entering your vagina. Scared to having having a you know a leaf caught into the, in a you know vagina, or you know that some some fungus will you know go in or the contact with soil and uh, you know there are so it's many. It's dirty fears. nature, kind of. That's what I think. It's not clean enough. Yeah, but people fantasize it at the same time. When I was uh, submitting the book to the publisher in Poland, they were, you know, the, the heart, the, the 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 publishing house which published it. It's like a very feminist kind of, you know, young people's alternative um, publisher. And they said, we're not going to publish your book because it's so kind of, you know, from a male perspective and kind of, a bit predatory, you take these women in the forest. Oh. And I said, no, they dream about it. They will love it. <laughs> they will just love it. And they didn't believe me. And they love it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like something which is people dream about. Um, you know, the first chapter of the book, um, I'm talking about a date I had. And um, I was talking to a woman which, uh, in, um, uh, in a room in winter in Warsaw. And we had a cup of tea. And I, I offered her to stay the night with me. And she said no. And she was kind of hesitating. And when she was leaving, she stood at the door and said, you know, I'm not going to stay with you tonight. But one day, can you fuck me in the forest? <laughs> she just said it. Um, you had that rumor on I, you or? No, she, she took part in my foraging workshops. Okay. So there was the moment I realized that I have more to offer than just teaching people, you know, how to collect edible plants. So you didn't go um, over your ethical standards of professionalism there? Uh, no, but, you know, this is like my private workshops. Okay, okay. So it's not, you know, it's like people, and uh, I, I, don't, I try not to mix activities, but I realized, you know, that there's something more to it, that, that these people going to these workshops, they don't only what, uh, they don't only want to get edible plants, but they want to get... Um, the whole of nature, the whole of the wild, you know. And I wrote a book book about it a couple of years ago called On the Wild Side, um, which is exploration of the whole topic of being natural and wild. Because when I was um, a PhD student, I one day I quit university. Just in one day, in 12 hours, I gave away everything, sold everything, and went back to the mountains and bought a piece of land and started living on it. And I wanted to be a hunter-gatherer. I wanted to live in a shelter. I built a series of shelters, you know, and catching, catching, I don't know, lizards and grasshoppers and, you know, and uh, edible roots. And, but then, then, you know, we had a baby and I was wondering to what extent I can take this baby away from civilization. And also the problem that, of course, my partner wasn't so into being wild and then it turned out it's not so easy because it's smoking these shelters and, you know, and you, you are pointed at as a, as a complete nutter. So there are many social problem, <clears throat> problems. So what, then we decided to be minimalistic and just live in a simple wooden hut. 
And then the choice, choices. Do you want to have electricity? Can you have a car or not? You know, can you have a fridge? Can you have a laptop? And these were choices which were hunting us. And um, I think it's also a very male perspective. At, at some point, I realized that my uh, my then wife's perspective that is not so bad was that she see, she saw it as a part of nature. So she saw this um, these objects, these machines, as something which is a part of nature. And I saw it from my male perspective, you know, classifying everything. This is nature. This is not nature. Yeah. So there are these two perspectives. Either we want to be pure and uh, reject everything which is not natural and see it as contamination, or we can, um, or we can uh, see just um, using these unnatural things as a sort of pollution and maybe abuse. So we do it, but not too much. So I realize that, realize that we can use these things, but we just have to be very careful with them. Like, I don't know, just not spend hours on Facebook, you know, not, you know, not spend hours in front of the screen. Once we do it, you know, an hour a day, maybe but it's fine. Can I do the same with slavery? Like, okay, if we just use slaves sometimes and not all the time, and we just use slaves for nice labor, not bad labor, then we can use slaves? I don't know. No, it's, it's difficult. this question. <laughs> I am just a computer. My voice is made by one and zero. What can I do for you? What can I do for humanity? What can I do for the planet? I cannot plant trees. Am I a part of nature? Am I a part of you? Are we the same? Living a no life, flesh and metal, still we share a lot. Electric energy runs us, connecting us to the all. The all-powerful computer bank. Syntax error, syntax error. You are fucked, 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 fucked. He fantastic philosophical mega and a very thin hyperfucked. So I will just turn off now. And I am not afraid. Not afraid of the void. Stay safe and happy birthday. So on your website you 
eat you are um, making cooking and of insects and food you find in the forest that doesn't mean that you are not hunting big animals no uh, but this was a voice uh, voice telling me yeah i was following um my own voice and um the, um, I actually killed a rabbit once in my life and I killed a few fish. I'm not a vegetarian, but I I, I feel pity, actually. And I just couldn't kill an animal. So something was telling me not to do it. But uh, it's easier for me with insects for some reason. Um, and um, I also eat a lot of roadkill. Like um, every time I drive the car and I see a dead animal, I pick it from the road and cook it. So I tried the cat, I tried the dog, I tried, you know. They have a restaurant in Australia, I think, roadkill restaurant that only kill, only cook roadkills. The problem with European law is so restrictive. I mean, that's a very interesting thing. Europe is such a beautiful place to live and in a way open and maybe kind of uh, socially friendly. But at the same time, it's really, it's really infested with stupid laws. Yeah. and trying to regulate everything and uh, if you want to do everything legally it's quite difficult so i'm not going into serving dead animals from the st- from the street i don't have a restaurant so <laughs> I, i'm more i'm more into like actually suffering reduction but i believe like if you're if i would be in a situation where i needed to eat whatever and i didn't have any other option i would uh, kill an animal to survive but if i feel i can survive without it why do i need to cause extra suffering in the world when I'm, my consciousness can uh, teach me to be able to live even better on a plant-based diet. I will think like uh, that's maybe like, for example, the story from the Bible, because actually the Bible tells that the uh, humans are vegetarians from the beginning. We are like, it says in the Bible that humans are ma- made to eat green stuff. I'm not saying the Bible is true. I'm just saying it to you religious people out there. And then uh, they got the new law after the flooding but i thought like okay that's because it's a crisis situation no so god gave humans the possibility to eat uh, animals in a situation of crisis okay you don't have enough plants to survive on right now your survival instinct will be harder to say to someone sit down and die from hunger is a very difficult thing to do but if you can survive on green stuff without killing something i think that's a very noble thing to work for and uh, insects again yeah it's a difficult philosophical subject i'm right now have tried some champolinas here in mexico they eat uh, grasshoppers and it's everywhere on the market <laughs> so sometimes i tried the grasshoppers and i met myself with the philosophy if we need uh, something to eat maybe yeah for sure uh, i think uh, insects would be a better protein source than cows for example so we can maybe go like gradually down from from uh, addiction to meat by using in- insect as a substitute to that. There's also a danger with using insects that uh, now big um, big corporations are go- trying to go into the business. And actually, um, uh, do you know this? There is this film called um, The Bugs. I think a Danish film. Really? When people from Noma were exper- experimenting with edible insects. And um, actually, they noticed that then a lot of corporations are trying to, you know, uh, just produce the same insect factories like we have chicken factories or fish factories. So it's not the way, actually. That we, we, if we start producing insects on a large scale, 
the level of destruction and bad quality will be similar. Yeah, so then we're back to this thing again. How much should we restrict ourselves from doing if we want to be better than the modern society we know is destroying everything we believe in around us? Like you said, slowly by slowly, we feel we maybe need a little bit of electricity. We need a little bit of internet. We need a little bit of the comfort that we were used to before. But is our main society, our whole modern society, if it's based on what you say is like not natural or natural, but if it's based on an unbalanced way with nature that destroys the balance balance of nature, should we not then restrict it philosophically, like like slavery? Maybe, maybe we should try. Uh, I also buy forests like you, and um, and try to protect them. And some of it I cut, but some of it I leave it like a sanctuary. But in Poland and on a small scale, so it's not, it's not the tropics. No, but uh, have you ever been here in Latin America? Yes, I've been to Oaxaca and I've seen the... Have you seen El Tule? The, the tree. Oldest, yeah. Uh, the, the tree, tree, the oldest, the biggest tree of America. It's beautiful. Uh, yes, I, I went to Mexico to look at uh, edible insects, actually. Yeah, there is a lot uh, here. Yeah, it's a part of the culture, much more here. Uh, like uh, The culture has a cultural connection to insects, so you can find a lot. That was what my question was. How many types of insects are eatable in Europe, in Poland? In uh, insects, most insects are edible. Apart from maybe like Colorado beetle or ladybirds, everything which is colorful is a bit dangerous because they usually advertise themselves as a bit toxic, but... I so ladybug is poisonous? It's bitter. I don't know if it's poisonous. I don't like it. <laughs> okay. I eat everything. I, I even ate Colorado beetles. They were also quite un- un- nasty. So, um, but at least half is edible. Anything that birds eat, you know, you just follow the birds. You know, these uh, slugs, these, um, which are now often garden pests in Europe. Most, most, most animals wouldn't eat them. So I don't eat them. But if I see that some bird comes and eats something, you know. So, so what's your, because like you, you say that you buy a forest. Like we also went through this uh, process of trying to be revolutionaries, living without electricity, <clears throat> living without the comfort mm-hmm. of our normal life, then suddenly get caught by our own project. That is an in- internet-based project and all the things that we felt we need to take care of. But then I'm also getting back, what do I care for? Do, do you have any hope for the modern society? And if, in which way? Um, I think I have a big hope in, in reducing or stopping the, the growth of population. I think although the modern agriculture can feed temporarily, feed more people, if we redistributed all the food we produce, I think it's really important to be really conscious about the number of children we produce. And with with the technology we have, if if the human population was half of what is now, I think we could live in a quite a nice world. Yeah, but uh, then I go a little bit uh, to something I read uh, on your website about uh, uh, the new corona situation. 
and the fear of death. Because I know like uh, a lot of the tribal communities I looked a lot up to, but I'm not tough enough to say that I'm on that kind of level. They were fighting a lot with the fear of death to understand that the fear of death creates the ego. That means that the human body and mind is more important than other things in nature. So if that fear of death gets over the consciousness of being one with everything, that creates that type of idea that, for example, a human life is more important than a 2,000-year oak or any other part of nature. And that corona somehow represents a little bit the hysteria around being afraid of ending this life. Birth is part of life. And that maybe sex even represent the counterpart of that. That sex and death somehow mirror each other. It's the beginning and the end. And somehow very existential that humanity has some kind of existential or even spiritual fear with these subjects because of that. What do you think yeah, about I mean, that? The, the, the issue of death is very strong. And <clears throat> I don't Maybe I don't want to talk about coronavirus on this um, podcast too much, but I have a very clear opinion about it. And I, um, I I understand the fear which existed in the very beginning because it was an unknown illness and it was very mysterious. And um, after reflection, I think, you know, it was it was good to be cautious, you know. But now I think after months of it, I think it's really being too mi being micromanaged and um, and used, and a lot of people profit from it, and most people, you know, lose. But it is also a, um, a chance for kind of rethinking things, and you know, people have maybe more more time at home, and people feel more isolated, and they can really. I was rethinking my life. Can you hear? You know, I wrote a lot of things. And um, I planned a lot of changes. Yeah, it's a good time to, to think about changes, but it's also like uh, what will happen in the future? What are we afraid of? Do you, do you believe in God? Um, in a complicated way. Well, that should be the right way. For me, at least, I, I think if it's a concept of God, it must be complicated. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, as I say, I have a very metaphysical approach to reality and contact with many kind of beings that, uh, you know, I feel in the forest. And yeah. um, I, in, in one, of, one side of my house, is uh, the windows are facing the forest. I live on the edge of a big forest. And the other, side, the other window faces like fields and meadows. And I often sleep, change the bed where I sleep in the house because... When I sleep in the room which faces the forest, the spirits of the forest come to me in the night. But sometimes it's too much, you know, and I have to change the room. And then when I change the room and sleep in the room facing the meadows, the animals don't come to my dreams. <laughs> well. So I have a, a practical question about how to keep the human population down. Um... There's not a good way. This is a this is a, a concept, but you know, making people. I mean, in a way, the population is slowing down. Uh, even talking about it may, might bring change. You know, maybe even by talking about it, even when it reduces the population, but the growth by one percent is something good. And um, you know, maybe there is there is karma for some people to have more children. And I don't think we we should you know legally restrict it, but. But really talk and talk about it, you know, and I think if 
like in 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 especially I don't know maybe by also creating you know the world where in most countries people can kind of I don't know feel secure not having so many children because in in many kind of poor countries it's just an instinct survival instinct people have to fight for survival and as a part of it they just would have a lot of children because they are stuck in these you know patriarchal systems and they are insecure they don't know contraception so if we change just this you know it might help it's not about and, fear of death um, also a little bit like the fear of death like my fa my father said like the way to make a tree produce more fruits was to like torture it a little bit so it thinks it's gonna die and therefore produce more fruits so that like it's like the fear of death is also contributing to creating even more children because it's somehow like a feeling of immortality to continue your genes or something yeah so people would uh, also people in difficult situation would would have children unless of course they are maybe traveling or it's a really oppressive situation but um is this like if people have it really safe they get less children when they when it's really really safe they have less but when it's intermediate they would have more is if it's really really bad they would also stop having children during the war people don't want to breed well i saw but, this but, new documentary for sama and it's about the uh, war in syria and the woman in that movie has a child and decide to get another one while the bombs are uh, dropping and it's about that it's about the power of life over uh, conflict kind of or the power of stupidity over drama i don't know the, the documentary is good at least and it shows a little bit about that how how life still continues even in the more difficult parts of the world okay so yeah, for yeah. for me it's like right now in this situation on uh, where you are legally you can uh, sterilize both cats and dogs because they're overpopulating the streets and you're doing it from humane reasons but when you're talking about it about human race it's not humane to sterilize and control human population but isn't it the same thing? Uh, humans have consciousness and uh, know what you're doing to them. That's the problem. Like a cat or dog wouldn't really know that you sterilized them. So if you did it from they were really young, I guess it wouldn't be so ethically bad. It's more that you expect more from humans. It's free. Uh, hello, okay. hello. There he went away. Hello, hello. Okay, so we are uh, talking about the uh, uh, sterilization. So in uh, we are we are here uh, everywhere where we have been living for more than three months we actually adopted a street dog or a, a cat and sterilized it for the reasons that it's a lot of animals around where we are living that are beaten up by humans mainly there is hello uh, sorry i just came back now no we're, <laughs> we're sitting talking about leona is very obsessed with this like sterilization of humans she really don't like humans she really don't like human overpopulation i would say she likes individual humans i guess but she she would be happy with forced sterilization of people because she, that's what we do to dogs and cats to make their situation of their lives better so it would be like for the better for everyone while i'm saying like yeah we still have a consciousness like human consciousness maybe it's spiritual maybe it's bullshit but we have like this 
thing about like seeing what happens to us. So maybe if we got sterilized in a very young age, we will still start to like hate the society later when you grow up and know you're sterilized because you will still have that. No a dog will not react like that, you know. You probably will hate the society even more if you were for sterilized. Yeah, you will yeah, hate the society even more. But but somehow like how far can humans have the right to destroy this planet before we have to do something to limit it? Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of small cultures which um, thrived because they controlled their birth rate. Um, there is this um, um, there is this book by um, Jared Diamond. You know Jared Diamond? No. Guns, Germs and Steel. He wrote a book called Islands about the fate. I think it, I can I can type it in check about the fate the fate of different islands and societies. And he concluded that actually every civilization collapsed because of ecological damage they created. Come on. 
also the Maya civilization. Yeah, definitely. In Mexico, they've um, he tries to prove it, and he showed some some island communities where where they could actually control the the fertility and thrive. It is actually possible. I know because I. Uh, have been working with it it's possible to teach yourself to to not create life through the experimenting with the tantric way of lovemaking that is for me a way of praying that it takes time to learn and it's not like 100% safe and especially not for sexual diseases and stuff so you should still be conscious but if you're with a partner and things like this you can experiment with it it is actually possible to also use plants like humans knew a lot about abortive or plants that regulated the possibility to get babies. Religion, a lot, no? In the same time, uh, religion turned from being spirituality to being a, a form of, uh, of a social uh, manipulation where control of the family would be one of the most important thing to do. So I think that's where it happened a lot with the manipulation and control of both the genders and sexuality to control the families. Back to I'm thinking about uh, your the, the, the fear of uh, of nature, the fear of sex in nature, the fear of going into nature and make love there. The is a little bit like a little bit for me spiritual or something or reconnecting to nature is such a deep. It's like something reconnecting to a mystical part of life where sex and death is a really important part of it. So maybe for you, when I hear you talking now, I feel like when you go into nature to make love, you also kind of go into your church or something where you look for your spirit, where you look for the inner self of you or what duality represents or something. That is really something pure, really existential and important with going and making your love ritual in nature. Yes, I mean, also, it's actually just something very beautiful, even by being naked in nature. You know, I once I attended some kind of um, rainbow gathering where there were um, about 30 women sitting in a stream and breastfeeding in the stream. And so it's just amazing to see people doing different things, being naked and being in nature, you know. I think it's very, very few places you can see now a couple of women just breastfeeding happily and sitting in a natural surrounding, like in a park, you know. You could maybe see one per one person, but you can see this kind of dif different um, different aspect that that we lost. Uh, but definitely, definitely, having sex in the forest is very spiritual for me, and we discover different aspects of it. For example, you know, um, there was there is this uh, ethnic group in Oceania where they use sperm to fertilize crops. It's also in my book. And um, there were even societies where, um, uh, you know, heterosexual sex was banned for a part of the year. And only homosexual sex was allowed in the gardens. So th there was this belief that the sperm can, has actually has some magic potential, not only for fertilizing females, but just like maybe there's some energy which uh, which it gives to other crops and the same with the and menstrational from, blood no they're talking about from, also pardon? the, the men menstrational blood also yeah and it's from biological perspective from our rational perspective is bullshit 
But how do we know? I mean, how do we know there are so many magic beliefs that mm, turned to be true? Like people are using these, you know, spider webs to cure to cure some, um, you know, wounds and things. And it turns out that there is something to it. So we often realize that some old magic beliefs and some rituals actually made a lot of sense. So maybe this putting sperm in a garden with yams, you know, maybe it also makes sense. We don't know about it, you know. Are you not afraid uh, that the Polish uh, church will come and burn you on a stick? No, uh, no. Witch, near witch. Maybe, um, you know. Um, I don't know. I just say what I think and, you know, I think it's good. In my heart, it's is okay. Why would I be scared of it? But you are you are an ethnobotanist and plant ecologist. And I was yeah. thinking, like, me- plants do contain medicine. That is like a kind of reflection of nature, that nature and humans have some kind of interaction with each other. Since we have a disease, it's something in nature. Also, nature is also actually the the main source or the the whole source of what we're eating that uh, keeps us alive something we forgot about when we go and buy things in the supermarket or something but you like to to survive to be able to survive by wild food uh, now and for the future isn't that actually the real essence of anarchy yes i mean that's how it started my whole my whole journey my life journey started from dropping out of university and and uh, trying to you know, be self self sufficient you know it's a, the funny thing is i came back to university but in a different uh, in a different position as someone who is who can be self sufficient so i do it because i like it i i write scientific papers because i like doing it and you know university covered some of my trips to different countries and you know but they know that i'm i'm independent that you know i will work there only until i enjoy it so so but basically uh, because i live in this farm and have this permaculture garden around me and have the kind of sense of grounding you know um, is a different different way when you work and you you have this um, yin part of you like I see my professional work as the yang part in Chinese, you know, philosophy. And the yin is the earth, is the forest I live in. And um, also once you know you can reduce your needs, yeah? If you don't have the money, I don't know. You know you can live without electricity. You know you can walk to places instead of driving. You know you can get free food from other people or you can grow something. You just feel secure inside yourself. You know, you don't have to. I have a need. Uh, that's like we we would fuck for forest. We're able to collect a lot of money that we gave away to projects in Peru, Ecuador, Costa Rica, yeah. Brazil. But now the last five years, we've been trying to make this little like alternatives. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to call it, like a safety place for for learning how to be sustainable, learning how to 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 use the local plants and get in touch with nature again. But I'm an idiot. I need someone like you. I need some mentor. I need. How do we find people to come and help us here in Mexico? We have a great place. Do you have friends? Can you come and help us? Or how did uh, you? Learn? I don't have don't have friends in Mexico. 
but I can ask uh, around in Europe. No, but we are Mexico interested is... in people uh, coming from Europe also. We have uh, like a 150 hectare project in one of the more uh, ecologically biodiverse places on the whole planet. It's a mecca oh for na in mecca in natural medicine plants and eatables. Uh, you Maybe can... I come there. Yeah, please come <laughs> and teach us how to survive there because yeah. I would really like to have a, a survival school and I think you could also teach a lot of people up there where it's a lot of alternative uh, uh, tourism that would love to learn how to survive uh, from eatable plants in the forest. You can make courses. But, um, I know a lot of ethnobotanists who are in Mexico and they are great people. So maybe I can go through the list and see, you know, if, if there is someone that I can recommend you know some someone interested in wild edibles for example or <laughs> so what do you, you what know. do you think about fuck for forest i love it i love it i was spiritual just so fascinated i found about found out about you only recently and i don't know why because i use these um keywords you know because yeah you call, things. you call yourself you, come up. you call yourself ecosexual what does that mean yeah. for you what I I call myself ecosexual means that um, that I feel the spiritual connection with nature, and I feel that the nature is a part of of sex for me. It's like we have been very unactive the last five years when we build up our center that is called La Manzana Podrida, our ecological center here in Mexico that we used all our time and focus oh. on. So the last five years we've been very kind of off. But uh, the word ecosexual, actually, if you search back in time, actually comes from Fuck for Forest. That was the first oh. ecological that touched this idea about sex and nature in that type of way. So ecosexual came later from Annie Sprinkle that was uh, inspiring Fuck for Forest actually to start a lot because she made the kind of educational yeah. porn. So we are ecosexuals too. So please come and join our ecosexual movement there in Mexico. In the second edition of, the, of my book, you will get a big chapter, you know. And I'm thinking, I, I gathered so many new things from people that I will do like in one, two years, you know, version two, and you'll be a big part of it. But I was really, I really, I also saw the documentary done by by this Polish film director. It sucks. With you. Although it, you know, you might think it sucks. You can really get the good message from it. But I will send and you, I after this, I will send you, because we have a first three years of Aqua Forest that we made, I will send you the link so you can see it. Since you're such a great person and we work for the same stuff, you will be able to preview it before it's out. So I will send you the link after and you can watch the three first year of Aqua Forest. That is the real documentary about the startup of our project. Okay. And, I but what I wanted to say that I feel that you are completely genuine, you know? I got this message that um, it was so genuine and, and, and pure, you know. We do believe in what we're doing, yes. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We are, naive, we are naive forest fuckers, but we also, it's actually a deeper subject to it because after working to collect the money, like get attention for ecology using sex is one thing. But when we started to do our informational places on festivals and stuff, and so many people come to us with traumas, with problems, with questions, with ideas about the subject of sexuality. And we saw that we were a really important kind of like psychological corner to talk about a really important instinct that we all are sharing that is all around us yeah. in our pop popular culture, but no one is really 
tough enough to deal with or to educate about. So, well, there are. There's a lot of really good educators out there, but now with the uh, internet censorship and stuff like this, a lot of sexual educators uh, working online have big problems to actually get heard and stuff because they get cens censured and banned from most social network. How can we live in a world, uh, how can we even talk about being social if there's sensual energy or how we co connect to each other sexually is, is uh, censured and banned in the same way like we experience now? And how can we get in contact with nature again if it's like that? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I'm really happy I eventually, you know, and I reconnected with you through this documentary. So I, I really, I really, I could see the, there's so many good things in it. And, you know, and I think, I think it was fine, you know, and I'm happy we could actually talk and, you know, maybe one day we can meet in real life. It would be great. Um, we invite you here to, to Mexico. We will, we have um, houses and stuff to house you. We will take care of you very good if you come and help us a little bit with the plant life around. Uh, that was what so, my follow-up question was very fast. For the, I mean, there's many people that live in the city that have this dream like you have and as Tommy has and I had that just say fuck you to the society, to the, that world and live in the countryside, have your own farm, become self-sustainable. But like me and Tommy, we failed in many ways. We didn't have the patience to grow the things because we had to travel and when we come back, it was dead. And a lot of things happen. What is your encourage for people that want to to not give up and continue? My encouragement for to continue with going back to nature um, is not good not to give up, and also look at different aspects because you actually I don't I don't believe that everyone has to grow things. I think uh, I, I always tell people that reality is more complicated than they think and. We think in this very simplistic way, okay, so this is the field and uh, we have to grow vegetables here and this is the forest we have to gather. Actually, it's not like that. We can gather things in the garden and we can cultivate things in the forest and um, we can also exchange things between people. So it's not about suddenly everyone becoming a farmer and being, you know, um, just staying in one place. Um also, it's about learning skills, it's about learning how to notice the connections, you know, and changing your habits, because a lot of things, a lot of problems with people beginning, you know, being self-sufficient is that they don't have the habit to do things, you know. Sometimes uh, self-sufficiency doesn't require a lot of effort, but it requires the sense of attention and sense of being used to things. Like, for example not missing the time to plant potatoes. You know, I've lived in my forest for over 20 years and for a couple of years I wanted to start growing the potatoes and I always miss the point, the moment when you can actually grow them. And once I realized this is the moment to plant potatoes, I always remember it because it's in my brain. It's like this good habit of remembering that end of April is a time when I have to spend a few hours and prepare the potato field. It's great. And also with gathering herbs, like people would like to gather things and they don't realize that nature doesn't wait. Sometimes you there's only a few days you can collect something like linden flowers. If you miss the flowers, they are abundant. They are everywhere. It doesn't need a lot of attention, but you have uh, a lot of effort, but you really cannot miss the moment. 
we are used to going to the shop and buying stuff which is preserved. So it's about rhythm. So, it's about rhythm in our life, I guess. Maybe this is also about mental health to get into some kind of rhythm with nature, to actually follow the rhythm of nature would make us more connect connected and also more feeling that the existence makes some kind of yeah, sense. So, so it's, um, it's 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 very complicated. And there are so many aspects of it, and um, um, I wouldn't just um, give up because I failed as a classic person, you know, doing th things in a classic way, because sometimes if you are a bit weird and if you like different things, you know, you might discover different uses of certain plant. And um, I don't know, uh, try to do things different ways. But are you living on your farm alone? At the moment, yes. I, I, I got divorced five years ago and my kids are, are quite big now and they went to Scotland because my ex-wife is... Um, English and um, uh, they gave, they gave, came back to UK, but they come a lot. So I've lived in mostly alone with you know temporary partners. But you don't um, need help on your farm. You do everything by yourself. Yes, because um, because I found volunteers quite tiring. You know, we have that problem also a little. That's why oh my God. I feel I, I feel I've been wrong because I feel actually I just want to say that to people listening. I changed my mind before I thought we needed people, but actually you need us. We have this great place where we can work together. And right now we, we survive there. We're happy there, actually. But to have volunteers that makes more problems than they help out with. It's kind of been our little problem with uh, that volunteer subject it seems you have the same experience or yeah but but you know i do a lot of foraging and i just gather things for myself and you know i have maybe people helping me to collect um some wildflower seed i i i sell but uh, it's really enjoyable i much prefer to invite people for for a bonfire or for maybe like an event you do some event Let's help. Let's help people on. Let's help me um, on particular day, and let's make a party. But uh, with long-term volunteers, it's not easy. No, like I started to get crazy for trying trying to search for people that think a little bit like me and Leona, and wanted to do the same as we do. And I think that was uh, difficult. I think also we should also focus on making courses that we actually we are actually still educating people. Sex in nature, a sensation of freedom. Having sex on a dead tree trunk in the woods feels wild. It makes us feel alive in the world of death and destruction. We need to become free from the enslaved society. No, and we people need us. People need the possibility to have a place to come and learn something about the plants. So, um, so what's the... Um Uh, what's the kind of work people do in your farm? Actually, the idea was to make an alternative educational center for art and uh, music, dance, theater, all mm -hmm. kind of creative uh, expressions, and at the same time, like integrated with plant, plant medicine and uh, and re-education about the ecosystem we live in. So it was mm -hmm. mainly help with the gardens and with cons construction. Yeah, it's been much easier for us to actually pay local people than we also help out the local yeah. economy. And those people are such much better workers than any volunteer that in the end yeah. we pay more for food and uh, it gets less done. And we learn 
way much more from our uh, local helping hands than we did from yeah. our volunteers. They had more information about plants. They had more information about when to grow things. They had more information yeah. to share with us. So what, what kind of things you grow? Potatoes. <laughs> we, we, we grow potatoes and uh, we grow like carrots and all this. That's but when, right now we grow nothing because now we're in a small town trying to make bipolar circle. That's our conflict, no? We still and make... And fuck for forest. And fuck for forest because uh, our, how we make most of our money right now is uh, on the internet-based projects. We're not sustainable yet. If we go yeah. up there and let ourselves... We have to get sustainable really fast because or else we starve to death. No, our problem is also... Not a problem, but I have a, a background in Europe, so I know how when to grow things in Europe. I'm pretty yeah. okay with that. But when we are living here in Mexico, the the climate is different, the circles are totally different, and it takes time to yeah. get I into this. I think it's just because we're lazy artists, actually. As you said before, people do different things. Me and Leona have had the possibility to manifest a place like uh, Manzana Podrida. We still have the infrastructure, we still survive there, but it's a place uh -huh. where other people can come and experiment also. We just have the possibility to manifest the place, no? We as a human species supposed to be more like a tribal group where we complement each other through different type of interests or different type of powers. And I think maybe me and her did a lot of our work. We, I would be super happy for having someone in Manzana that says like, now we plant this, I know now to do this. And I would be yeah. there digging in the ground, but I need someone to organize it because I see, Amazing. I think my yeah. limitations is that I'm, I'm like an expressional person and I need someone to guide me with the garden. Yeah like now for the future and stuff how to inspire people to sit that sits there at home and don't know what to do with the situation uh, how would you inspire people to get in touch with nature again um definitely by walking barefoot that's the first thing ask yourself do you actually walk barefoot in nature yeah so whatever you do you start from this and of course if you if you have any instinct any things that your body wants to do, your soul wants to do, just ask your soul and, and your body. And a lot of these instincts and urges are the same, like people liking being naked in the forest, yeah? So if you feel like it, just do it, yeah? And um, a lot of people ask me how how you came to these, you know, certain things, certain observations. I said, just, I asked myself, you know, I haven't read it in, in, in books, yeah? So maybe... Maybe there's a person who needs to be spanked, you know, you know how do you say it in English, hit by nettles, yeah? And maybe that's your way of reconnecting with nature, you know? And I don't know. So, uh, so yeah, so just believe you know, in yourself, you know? And I think the nature will slowly, you know, unravel its beauty. Wow. I think that's my... Yeah, so have sex in nature, even if it's forbidden, it's time to decide ourselves with our mind uh, what is good or bad. I think like if, if you decide that a law doesn't have the right to live on anymore, for example, the prohibition of you making love in nature, you should go against it and we should uh, re-educate the society where sex and nudity is considered beautiful in uh, contrast to a factory or a car, even things that we have normalized so easily in our values and moral as being okay. That's you saying like, okay, how much do we use this device that 
definitely is part of destroying our planet. While, uh, well, now I'm confused because overpopulation is the main uh, problem why we destroy the planet, no? And that's because of sex. So how can we enjoy sex then when that's the main reason why we are kind of in this place? Of destruction. Yeah, this is a, this is a this is a, um, a paradox, and that's why you should enjoy if you see sperm being outside of the body on a tree trunk or on the grass. Just enjoy the sight of it. I also wrote it in the book that that the sperm which was taken out and, and as food for insects and bacteria is giving life to the forest because. You haven't conceived another child and uh, nature can kind of get relaxed and, you know. I would like to see that bird eating of your sperm like in a like, beautiful yeah, I, shot. I find it fascinating when animals eat my sperm, you know. I think it's fascinating. <laughs> it's been a fascinating time uh, to talk with you. Uh, please come to Mexico and look at our eatable plants and teach us something. And if you have other friends in the area or also in Europe that want to come and check our place out as a educational, possible educational center or a research place for ecology, uh, we are more than welcome to reach a little bit more professional people that really have a mission out there so fantastic. if someone listen to us or you have friends please put them in touch fantastic but you are not in sierra de mazateca sierra de mazateca is east from uh, um, no we are in sierra madre sur no. sierra madre yes colder yes drier yeah not where we are living we have a lot we have drinkable water a lot of ri river systems it's very wet uh, the mountain we are living okay. we have a lot of mushrooms we are supposed to be um Uh, a wet place where we are living yeah and it's cold in the dry season it even get a little bit of ice on the floor early in the mornings but it's good some cold is also good and especially if you have european background you enjoy <laughs> and it yeah, makes, enjoy it. makes the strawberries better for example <laughs> yeah to be honest we've been very focused on working with the ecological part of the project and we're changing a lot our idea about what is important right now since the world is radically changing and we yeah. think like our space is actually more important than internet right now so we're focusing a lot on uh, on our place so yeah but mm. sooner or later we will maybe get internet up there something that is both bad and good <laughs> well then we don't have to live in the city anymore and we could focus on both the surviving okay. well yeah okay it's been Good. amazing to talk to you um uh, i hope you will uh, since you don't have birthday who has birthday then let's say birthday to all the small fucking insects out in the forest that do make love and have sex no matter if you are conservative or not nature will continue reforming itself uh, so sex and death the beginning and the end and thank you so much a uh, first okay. question so you are living in the carpathian mountains yeah wow yeah. yeah okay so i'm trying to get you that's like one of the last wildlife resources of europe no and i also i did my masters in the part of my phd in the biaovieja forest is this um ancient forest in uh, northeast poland is the last untouched primeval forest in Europe and that's how I started my career as a botanist and it really affected my thinking because once you spend days you know working in it and walking through it and having sex in it 
you know, you realize the beauty of ancient forest. And, you know, you know, like a part of my forest is untouched. It's like um, it's an old growth, um, fair and beach forest. And, you know, and my neighbors get very angry because I don't cut trees there and they are lying on the ground. And I say, no, this is a nature reserve. You, you can't do it. <laughs> That's nice. Another thing is that a part of the forest is like, is managed, but it's managed towards the ancient, like oak forest for edible acorns. Because another my interest is um, feeding people with acorns and um, recreating this tradition of um, gathering acorns. You know acorns? Yeah. For food. So yeah. So the is the part of the forest that's managed. I cut out other trees and leave 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 oak trees. Well, I, I start to, to them, actually. I start to see where you have your power from now when you live uh, in that part of the forest. It's like yeah, the forest and especially making a sexual ritual in the forest can grant you amazingly amount of power uh, both uh, both with your sexuality and your mental strength will get 1 million times stronger from fucking in the forest. So go ahead. Don't be afraid. Go out and find a log. Uh, I just want to point out: Is there there are some threats against uh, against the Polish forest right now? No. Uh, there are some threats because uh, Poland is now overrun by right wing thinking and uh, stupidity. And um, in Białowieża forest, there was a big um, appearance of um, of a beetle destroying spruce trees. And there are a lot of dead spruce trees, not in the nature reserve, but in a place which is nearby. And the Forestry Commission was taking out these dead trees without a reason, just just to, to have it tidy. Yeah? So it's, it's actually this stupid thinking that if something is untidy, it's not natural. And this was one big, big conflict. Another big, big conflict now is um, Polish Forestry Office um, cutting a lot of trees in, um, in the Carpathians because um, like Scandinavian countries buy it. Because they don't, don't they don't cut their trees, and the Chinese buy it. So the China doesn't cut forests, and they buy trees in Poland. And Polish government said, thought it's a wonderful way of making money. So actually, the number of trees cut down in Poland grew. This is the same problem in Romania. There's a big, big problem in um, in the whole of the Carpathians because um, you know no one sees it as a rainforest, but it's actually a very beautiful piece of land with lots of forests and. There is more trees cut down than ever. And yeah? this is all, uh, is it legal from your government or is it unlegal? Also? Yeah, this is the, the, the government policy because the, the Polish Forestry Office is the largest landowner in Europe. Whoa. They have more land than the Queen because um, about two thirds maybe of Polish forests are owned by this state you know, office very centralized and when they decide okay we're gonna send you know sell more trees they do it
The, pro the tragic situation is that many people working for this institution are really heartbroken. It's not that they are evil, but that this is the general line, the general policy of making money or, or on cutting you know, old trees and selling them to other countries. And it's really, really tragic. And the same situation is in Romania. And, um, and uh, there are a lot of people trying to stop them now. But um, I even did some non-profit workshops for the organization um, fighting uh, with this um, tree uh, cutting. And um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So what's the biggest threat to our planet right now? Is it deforestation oh. or...? Mm, I think it's the the biggest threat. Um, Overpopulation, <laughs> yeah, we already said that. Overpopulation <laughs> is the definitely a big, big threat and also the consumption of goods connected with it. And the fact that um, one day we might put uh, our planet on a trajectory which is not self-controlling, like we can, you know, get out of this homeostasis and we don't know when it happens and how it happens, but... I think there are many threats, you know, it's not one threat. The human threat. Uh, chemical uh, pollution, the number of new, you know, chemicals produced by biotech industry and, you know, controlling food, like also a big issue with um, is, con the, is controlling seed production, patenting seeds, you know, you know, like uh, destroying small companies producing seeds. It's a big problem, you know. So the problem is that humans just lost respect for nature then, I guess, like we all knew long time ago, but how do we get back? We're waiting for the big bang, the big human fall of the modern society. Can we save it? I mean, I think it's too much, too much things uh, that is threatening and threatening. And for many people, they we just give up. What can they do is too much. Is there something, what can what can a person do when they realize that there's so much threats i mean there are you know there are two ways because one way you could say improve yourself reduce your needs and you know grow your own garden but at the same time it cannot stop the evil organizations you know plotting uh, changing laws and you know and controlling you so i think always the action should be on two levels you should change yourself and you should say no to things you think are really bad. But that's both that's both about changing yourself, kind of. Yeah, but, um, you know, I mean, everyone has their own uh, own way. I met but a our lot ego, of people. Yeah, you already went through that. You already have uh, accepted things into your life, like your male part of the brain had already put in the category, this is not good, but you feel you need, you can take a little bit of it, you know? The, like you still have something you still have uh, you still have uh, stuff to work with our ego is so huge i know i have so much to work with before i can actually start to criticize the world around me i just seen that in the political scene and stuff like people fighting in demonstration against the the government or against the the evil like like controlling structures of the society and then i see that these same people have the same controlling structure with their loved ones with the people they should protect and care for that it's uh, repeating the power structures in relationships in relationship to the body yeah i'm thankful that you say that because i will focus more on changing myself because that's in the end the only power you have and I see that it's a lot I need to change. I think I think people have to work with themselves, of course, but 
you can also join join hands with other people and work for change. I think we have different uh, we have different um, temperaments. Some people are more introvert, you know, and they will want to work on themselves. And some people like various kinds of actions and activities. And you know, I think the world is is very complicated. And you know, like I was because I, I came to the point that I can give a lot of to other people, you know. And I was thinking because I, I you know I had my two children and I. I build a house and I have a beautiful forest and I wrote books. What can I give to the world? Of course, I could just give away my money, you know, and I don't know, not have them. But what can I actually do? What, how, what can I construct to make the world better? And I realized because I'm such an educator and, you know, and people really listen to me. I mean, I know that now this year there will be hundreds of people walking around the forest fucking according to my guidelines in <laughs> Poland, which is a bit scary. So, you know, I try to say things, you know, and... Um, so you can inspire but, people with who you are, then that's what you do. Why write? Yeah, yeah. But now I, I think I, there's more actually work in me. So actually there's still a lot of, you know, egoism and laziness and you know, comfort in me. And this is the, the main problem. Because I mean, it's not what I say, it's what I am. Yeah, I have the same problem. I'm <laughs> like, I, 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 in that this moment, find myself the greatest asshole ever, the double moral piece of shit ever. I have to deal with that, I think. So if you realize, if you are there at home and you realize you're a bad human, that's where you should start to deal with changing the world. Because I meet people that are young and they are devastated about the situation of the planet. And they basically just gave up because they don't know where to start and they don't know what to do. Instead, they go the opposite way. They're just consuming more to like, okay, what is there? Like, why can we not just have fun in the last moments? We just give up on like there is nothing we as a person can do anymore. I haven't been in Europe for four years. I okay. travel sometimes back. Two years ago or something. Yeah, I was yeah. last time two yeah. years ago. <laughs> you haven't gotten, you haven't lost much. I think Mexico is, is a better place to be. Well, now. here, here we have a lot of more farming people. No, like if some, if the yeah. shit hits, if the shit hits the fan, really, the local people here really knows how to survive. While well, I gave up a little bit on the local uh, European people, where like farming has been centralized to just big farms, and most of, I've seen this because my father is a farmer, so I've seen what happened to the farming culture since I, I was young. It just gone totally crazy. It's like all the small farms has gone bankrupt. It bought up by big. Uh, yeah. farming corporations and if something I know how my grandmother was in a war situation during second world war and she was a real survivor she knew how to survive from wild shit and to grow stuff and but they had problems during the winter and stuff it's not so easy and now I see with the yeah. new new consciousness of young people in Europe I'm like nah I don't want to get stuck here if something shit happens and I'd rather be stuck here with farming people that really know how to grow and survive my, my neighbors yeah. my my neighbors never wore to Oaxaca. They never were on the beach. I have a friend that is like, he's, he's over 50 years and he only lived in his like small house place his whole life. They don't know, they yeah. don't know other places. And these people I see as resources right now, as important teachers for me. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. I'm just uh, extremely uh, blessed and happy to live with people around me that I know in a more difficult situation will actually survive. And uh, they're my friends now, so hopefully they, yeah. I will team up with them also. I had the same situation that I, 
I, when I moved to the countryside, I was trying to be this wild person and reading things about survival. And then I met these neighbors who were telling me how to, what kind of wood you need to make a, a handle for hole or the handle for the size and what kind of techniques they use, you know, in the forest. So, yeah, I know what you mean. Trees, insects, flowers, water, stars, stones, planet, moon, sun, seeds, money, suits, computers, cars, machines, slaves, war, peace, conflict, unity, pure and impure, good and evil, right and wrong, God and Satan, man and woman, all is nature or nothing is nature. Nothing is forever, forever and ever, and ever and ever. As I say, like, uh, I don't believe in academics anymore. I believe in people that really knows how to do practical things and how the world is going right now. I see the information I get from an old farming woman as one million times more valuable than any professor or intellectual person can teach me about human condition right now because the human condition didn't work out in the way of the modern society. So a total new rechange and reformation has to happen. And yeah, when it comes to that, I feel happy in Mexico. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't like discredit the academics completely because they are just a guild. They are the tribe by themselves and they have a lot of knowledge, but you cannot let them rule the world. You can have academics because sometimes they can really give you interesting stuff. Yeah. But you cannot let them rule. If, yeah, that's the problem. If all information yeah. was free also and not hold back by the academic people and sold in the academic circles to other people yeah. have enough money to read yeah. it and keep the information just with the elite, okay, I would agree. But uh, since it's not free for everyone and uh, you get the information that is important long time after if you don't pay for it or are inside the right academic circles that give it to you, then it's like a little bit unfair. Then it's like knowledge is power, you know, so knowledge should be available for everyone from any place. That was what internet could have, should have been used for and is sometimes also, but now it's getting more and more like a controllable thing. So it's a, it's a own academic website out there where you can hack all academic uh, servers and get all the academic information for free. It was recently taken down. I mean, there is a trend now for open source, for open, um, open articles in science. But the problem is that most of these open articles are produced anyway, but by a few big scientific corporations have to pay and governments pay them so that they provide these free articles on the Internet. And actually scientists don't get any money. No, I know. They get, so it's very difficult for scientists. And the problem is that in the past, like a hundred years ago, a lot of scientific journals were published by universities. So, for example, if you want to publish um, an article in the Journal of the Polish Botanical Society, it's about four times cheaper to publish open open access than in, in a better journal. But the problem is that these university journals were at some point discredited, had taken over by Elsevier, Springer, and a few other companies mm. who make a lot of money on it. This is incredible. For an um, open access paper, well, when I want to publish something, my university usually pays 2,000 euros. Whoa! Yes, and they pay to the, you know, to the, to the, the, the publisher. I made the paper for free, 
So the only thing they do is they do some formatting tables and pictures, and they maintain the servers. They don't even print it in real life. They and then they they outsource the editing to Philippines, for example. Probably someone gets one dollar for formatting this paper, and the other one the one thousand nine hundred ninety nine euros go to the actual company. And the editors, the scientists who are editors of the journal, don't, don't get the money or get very little money. The reviewers work for free. Scientists is the biggest kind of slavery. And I have a big problem with this. And I'm really like only partly in the scientific world. And I only put 50% of my working time for science because this is a, it's a mafia. But there are actually very few people like me because scientists are completely enslaved by the fact that they are dependent on grants, on um, their salaries, and they don't have this free edge, you know. I always believe that you have to keep a part of your time free and you have, you, have to, you have to have a few sources of income in order to be just, you know, just free to say what you think. And uh, it's very difficult. For, for me, but for me, it's like a little bit dangerous because I thought science came from philosophy, kind of. And in the beginning of thinking, like, why are we here? It had some type of existential, mystical side connected to it, where science came out from. But yeah. when science uh, kind of disattached from that and became purely material way of thinking and denying the spiritual side and somehow saying that humans are God, that's where I think science somehow started to do more bad than it do good. Why should we want to continue doing research yeah. or, or science on something that doesn't serve us as a humankind altogether and serve the planet? Then I don't see any reasons for science anymore. If science is a reason to get back to uh, like uh, mystical values or like this idea about why are we here? Are we here to destroy the planet? Okay, then we should continue to this, uh, use uh, our focus on making a lot of shitty technology to make that process faster. But is our uh, idea here on the planet to have some kind of existential awakening? Okay, then science should be different. If it's like the scientists that have that idea that where they combine that mystical side with, with science, I do believe are serving humanity maybe better. But for me, science can be difficult if it's only about gathering new information, more information, but you have no idea about what you use it for. We can make an even bigger, more destructive machine that destroys even faster. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We love, I love you. I don't know if Leona loves you. Uh, I love you. <laughs> okay. I we, love you. We, we both love you. It would be really nice to meet in person. Yeah. But for me, for example, the big problem, actually my life problem, is um, balancing between um, being in a relationship with someone and being faithful to someone sexually and actually being open, you know, to other people. It's a big problem I was facing all my life, going into relationships and then the whole dynamics of the relationship and people being jealous and people wanting to love you and control you, you know. It's just happening all the time. It's like a, a recurring story of going into relationships when people want to control me. Yeah, the, I, I think this is a big part of the the personal liberational fight also to learn how to to liberate yourself from that. I'm a very big believer in free love and I believe that love has no 
interest in controlling. So if it's any control issues involved, that's not a part of love for me because love is supposed to be for the uh, for the other person only, not for yourself. No, for me, love is only for others, not for yourself. As in you, I yeah. want this to feel safe, or I want this to feel happy, or I want this. That can't be love for me. So when I see that in relationships, I think it's reflecting the insecurity of the other person. But it's also how to live together and make a person feel safe when we have lost the whole tribal connection to each other because I th see many tribal communities are able to deal with, for example, free love in a different way because they feel protected by the group. So you can see, for example, people in a rich country in, like Norway have a lot more free, freer, open-minded, sexually women because they feel more safe in the case they might yeah. get pregnant or something they do have a protection by the society. While in a poorer place where people feel they need the protection of their yeah. husband or their family will be much more naturally jealous because they will fight for survival. So it's a type of survival instinct to feel like I need my safety because alone I'm like a lone wolf kind of kicked out of the tribe. In relationships, instead of fighting this jealousy, find out why we are jealous and find out how to get to the root of the problem that is our own insecurity about the group. Because like no one should be able to keep like that you have 100 responsibility for another person's happiness or emotional balance. One person put all their fear and all their emotional instability on one person. And that I feel I've been, been made a lot from the same people that disconnected us from nature, from organized religion, breaking the tribe apart, that humans should actually be a bigger family, you know? that the concept of family is wrong. Yeah, but it's a big issue and it's very timely. And people, people suffer a lot and people, you know, it is like um, people who are, um, who are very sensitive and they want to balance things out and, but they don't want to be in these monogamous strict relationships. They get so much shit from the society. They get their children taken away by social services, you know, their wives or husbands, you know, revenging them, you know, um, because they happen to fall in love with someone or, you know, be a bit more open. And um, it's uh, so difficult to, to manage. We know? have to re-educate it by, by following the rules of what society is used to, I think. So it's like, right now, I know you're in Poland, so gay rights are not existing almost, but many other places in the world, gay people did get the right to marry. But I think it's also time to to eliminate uh, the idea of monogamy in marriage. I'm not a very marriage kind of person, but as long as that stands as a symbol of love and the whole marriage culture don't accept uh, more than one person to marry, they already have uh, identified what love is and that love should only be between two people. But if you reject that and you say like, no, I can love people on different levels depending on what kind of person they are depending on what kind of relationship I have yeah. to them and you, the society have no right to tell me how or how many I should love and then when you get to a point where you a society uh, allows people to marry more than one person then you can start to also eliminate those values and moral connected to that uh, bigamy is wrong because bigamy has become like a word of like it's a criminal word 
the worst kind of unmoral <laughs> being ever kind of before and it still hangs with us in our culture so before like religion uh, say like okay i'm religiously independent that means i can create my own religion and in my religion i can marry five people i can marry 10 people i can marry as so many people i want to marry then it should yeah. already go on religious freedom that uh, and that society is somehow controlling this is uh, well it's really difficult to re-educate when you have those kind of moral values so imprinted in our culture yeah yeah i mean the fact that in europe you cannot have polygamous marriage is outrageous and you know the society seems to be open about so many things and actually doesn't provide the basic uh, law system which is available in so many so-called backward countries you know something which existed since the paleolithic you know yeah. it doesn't mean that you have to follow it but you have the right you have to you have to give the right to people to do it you know yeah it's also strange that there is actually laws that are like about people's private life what they do that they even have laws that is inflicting people's private life and choices in their private life I don't see and also this this is the danger of coronavirus that you know the governments are trying to is to, to say to you how many people you can have in the house and how many friends you have you know some kind of bubbles which is i think extremely encroaching into basic yeah that's what basic i think it's about trying to destroy the tribe with purpose something i thought was with the modern marriage was like okay if you reduce people into like tribal situations when man woman and children is somehow the tribe you get people to fight each other already with your neighbor it's like people pretend to be similar but as soon like oh they have more than me or they're more happy than me or seem more successful the people are already like jealous at their neighbor that uh, they should be in the same tribe like sharing each other's goods no but as it seems like religion has made the family structure into small bubbles of tribes so it's easier to control people individually it's like people come together when people are together it's harder to control them i think so i i, I think it goes really long back in time of of uh, manipulation of the of the tribe has been come like manipulation of the family so you you agree to having laws or you are totally against laws about laws yeah like mm -hmm. in, um, like a law that says you can marry one person you can be with a gay person you can isn't I'm this against like against laws restricting it you know i'm um i think i'm i'm, I'm an anarchist in this way you know i feel i'm, I'm an anarchist in my in my uh, in my heart you know i i know that in in real life, actually, you know, at some point there are various laws, and but I would like to produce, reduce as many of them as possible, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. Eliminate the laws and just have, okay, if you are violent against a person, okay, there, cross, there is the cross, like there is, has to be a stop. But except from that, people should be able to do with whoever they want to be with, do whatever they want, as long as they are not violent against nature or other people yeah by the way i tried to buy subscription of your website and um it kept failing i don't know why my credit card was rejected it could be because poland is on a blacklist because too many uh, credit card um, 
complications. So if uh, I can write you a message and we can figure it out. Okay. A uh, free password. Yeah, if you send your naked photos to us also, just put some naked photos of you like masturbating in nature, or just you hugging a tree or you will, also with a partner, but then the partner also has to be agreeing that the photos goes to Fuck for Forest. You can even get your own blog on the website where you express all your ideas and all your... It doesn't need to be even photos of you. It can be more educational about your ideas about sex and nature. That would be great to have can a I blog. Can I donate a part of my book to you, to your website? Yeah, for example, like that. But you can set up your own blog. Leona can make, uh, mm -hmm. give you all the information and you can look at it. Okay. That's cool. So thank you so amazingly a lot uh, you are definitely part of our tribe even if you live in uh, one of the more beautiful places in europe uh, yeah maybe we should come and visit you <laughs> actually you are welcome you are very welcome we'll Thank be you. super happy if we go back to europe we will come to poland and visit you and if you need some time uh, away from europe we are here in mexico and we have an amazing place for you to do research and okay until we see each other again and can actually hug each other and i will give you a big kiss on your cheek have a great birthday in the forests of poland happy birthday Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> also, like, don't disturb the wildlife. The wildlife is not restricted by the rules of a society that basically destroy nature. So, yeah, you should be proud about your body and sexuality. Nature is a place definitely representing our sexuality and uh, that it's a law against going to the forest to make sex. If it's a law like that anywhere, that's a law we should fight to totally fuck up, no? Yeah, that law should be banned. I mean, the forest has been the root for everything and it's a place where we go when we need to breathe fresh air, relax, get new ideas. Pray, pray. get an orgasm. But as our friend said also, orgasm is not, not the most important. It's about reconnecting to your inner self, like your, your, your feeling of pleasure, your feeling of freedom, your feeling of nature. And your feeling of yourself. Yeah, this is a very individual uh, travel and experience, I guess. And uh, yeah, we have all different ideas when we watch up on the starry sky or where we take a trip in the forest, uh, still the subject of sexuality is pretty universal. We all have some kind of sexual trauma or sexual psychosis based on that society has stigmatized and, and controlled our sexuality for so many years. Ca ca can we find back our freedom in nature, you think? I mean, in our lifetime, like you and me, or yeah, like yeah, humanity. You, humanity, or you and me, you and me. I mean, I think humanity is moving back and forward all the time, but yeah, at some point, I think we can. I don't think we have much more time. Uh, this is supposed to be like this kind of Armageddon doomsday type of podcast. Now I realized like time, good and bad, uh, time and no time, uh, it doesn't really matter in the end. What matters in the end is, did you get enough fucking orgasms and vagina and like sweet women just like sucking your dick during your life? You got a big amount of that, I guess. Then you should be happy. No? No. It's not so easy. Life is not that easy. Life is complicated. Yeah, so life is super complicated. So 
to find more complications or more safety, don't uh, wait. Get yourself horny and run out in the forest right now and uh, make love uh, in the free. And if you want to film it and make a video of it, we, you can save nature by sending it to fuckforforest.org uh, where uh, th that is a non-profit ecological, uh, ecological erotic website and you will help this community collect money for ecology. So you can then push it to the next level. Let people see how nature really works. And uh, yeah, and if you just want to give us a little bit donations for our Bipolar Circle uh, birthday show, remember to go to bipolarcircle.podbean.com and give us a little bit like, yeah, still we're begging, please keep us alive, keep us inspired and we will do our best to develop Bipolar Circle into the most interesting philosophical fucked up sexual suck my dick and lick my ass kind of podcast yes stay tuned for next time and think about what you would have done if the world would end tomorrow yes what would you do maybe have a great fucking birthday <laughs> happy birthday everyone out there